0: Hey y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden. I'm here to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources who remind you you are not alone. In this episode number 230, I'm chatting with Jen and Robin of Sleepy Cues. We're talking all things sleep, and there is so much grace.
1: So many people think you just sleep train, and our approach is that we want to set the kids up for success in the sleeping arena. So even from the time that they're born, you can help shepherd your kids' sleep. So I think, you know, the word sleep train, cry it out, those are some trigger words that I think when parents, moms in particular, hear them, they already feel oppressed or scared. And we try to show that there are so many ways you can shepherd your kids' sleep where they don't have to cry it out. They don't have to cry at all if you don't want them to.
0: I think it was the first night I brought my oldest son home from the hospital and I was up multiple times that night. I thought, is this the rest of my life? And I could not have any perspective that he would ever sleep all the way through the night. I'm here to say he's 13 now and he does. But in those years between, I know as parents, we are desperate for help. And I so wish I had Jen and Robin coaching me through how to read the cues of my kids and to adjust my parenting around each individual kid to help shepherd them in good, healthy sleep habits. My prayer is that as you listen to this episode, before you even do that, you would stop right now, that you would ask the Holy Spirit to direct you what is for you and what is not for you. With so much parenting information out there, sometimes we can think everything's for us and it's not. And I'm knowing that God will direct your steps. And if you are needing more help, please go to the show notes and connect with Jen and Robin. So honored to share them with you. And even though a lot of our conversation centers around infants and establishing these sleep patterns, we do address your toddler questions about waking up in the middle of the night and six to eight year olds who struggle to fall asleep because of anxiety. Before we jump into all the practical goodness, I want to share with you one of this month's sponsors. The reason I can keep this show going is because of people like Dish. But what's even better is I truly share Dish with friends over the phone, over text. I was just talking to someone last week. She was sharing her goal of wanting to eat better. She was eating all the junk over Christmas. And I said, okay, have you tried PrepDish? And I can give her like this code to get two weeks for free. And so I don't feel bad, like it's not costing her anything to try it out. So what is PrepDish? It is a meal planning subscription service, which means if you have goals of eating healthier in 2019, of eating together as a family, of simplifying your life, this is the solution for you. They send you every week a meal plan with four delicious meals, uh, side salad, breakfast, dessert, and you can pick and choose which of those things you want to make that week. They give you a grocery list, they give you prep instructions, and so you can Customize it to your family, what you think they want, and if paleo and gluten-free options. And if you're a family with young children, and you're like, "Oh, I just don't like taking all the time to make the food, and nobody eats it, and dinners last like five minutes, and then it's just so stressful and not fun." I'm gonna give you hope that it's coming. <laughs> dinners where you sit around the table and have great conversation with your kids—they're coming. Hold on, set the habit now, even if it's just five minutes around the table, that this is what your family values. And to make your life easier, go to prepdish.com forward slash DMA to try out these meal plans for two weeks. Even if you and your spouse are eating healthier, that's modeling for your kids. They're getting exposure to new foods and you are enjoying your life. So check it out, prepdish.com forward slash DMA. All right, let's get to my chat with Jen and Robin. Here we go. Hey, Jen and Robin, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Thank you. Thank We're you. Excited to be here. I mean, obviously you're well needed. I say this every time <laughs> I ask for questions. There are a lot of moms and dads who are sleep deprived and needing your wisdom. So thank you for being willing to share it with us. Of Y'all- course. <laughs> Y'all have a company called Sleepy Cues out of California. Is that right?
2: That's correct. And we are based in Los Angeles, but our whole business is all it's worldwide. We've worked with people in many different countries and it's all online based. So we can work with anyone. We don't go into people's homes to work with them.
0: You consult with them through the phone and online, right?
2: Yes. All via text message and email and um, video call.
0: Very cool. Okay, so I know when I have three people on a call that it's tricky to know whose voice belongs to whom. So, Jen, will you take a second and introduce yourself and your family a little bit, and then we'll get to Robin.
1: Yes, we should have a quiz at the end. (laughs) You stick with it. (laughs) Oh, I'm Jen Haskew. I live in Culver City with my husband, Patrick, and I became a mom through foster care. So um, when you hear me answering or hear about my personal experience, it's usually relating to kiddos who've come into my family through foster care. I have one little guy with me right now. He's 17 months old. I think that is so
0: great because with the foster care system, you're dealing with a lot of things outside of your control and a lot of regulations and rules that I've heard and how you parent that child who's in your home for the period of time that they are. And so to have your wisdom, because so often we wonder, is this me or is this another issue that is causing the sleep difficulty? And there are kids from fostering and adoption that are dealing with a lot that didn't come from your home of origin. And so I think that's amazing that you're coming in with that perspective.
1: Yeah, I I think so many times in sleep consulting, there's a one size fits all. And that's just has not been my experience with, you know, kiddos with special needs or from trauma. And so I do think that's something unique that Robin and I bring to the table is just a more holistic view of sleep consulting instead of just trying to accomplish the task of sleeping.
0: That's amazing. So thank you, Jen. Okay, Robin,
1: introduce yourself
2: yes i'm robin bryant and i've been in los angeles california for 12 years with a brief stint in london where i had my first son um, eight years ago and i was incredibly alone there and very depressed i had i think i was struggling with postpartum anxiety but i didn't know at the time it wasn't a term that was widely known and so it was a really difficult time for me as a new mom and so as i continued to have two more kids we moved back to the states uh, sleep consulting was something that really helped me along my journey as a mom. Was to have healthy sleep habits for my children to um, deal with my anxiety, and so I think it's something that whether or not you're struggling with anxiety or depression or other things that come along with um, being a mom, it's so important to have healthy sleep rhythms, not just for the child but for the whole family. And I really saw um, a difference that it made in not only my child, but in my relationship with my husband and also um, just self care. So it's something that really is a personal thing for me. It's not just this thing I love to do, but it has roots that
0: are really meaningful to me as a mom. Thank you for sharing that because there is that mom listening who feels that same way. She feels isolated. She feels anxious. She's exhausted and sleep, like I told you all before, it is spiritual. (laughs) It is spiritual and our bodies need rest. And so often we read about that. And so we have to acknowledge when we need help. And I'm so thankful to connect them with you today. It's funny when I put out the questions, there were a lot of people that assumed what we were going to talk about only meant crying it out. And so I'm curious to hear, is there only one way to sleep train? Are there other ways?
1: That is a great question. And to be honest with you, I feel like with our community, that's the main topic or question that we're trying to change the narrative of because so many people think you just sleep train. And our approach is that we wanna set the kids up for success in the sleeping arena. So even from the time that they're born, you can help shepherd your kids sleep. You could call it sleep training, but we really we prefer to call it Shepherding or taking care of setting up for success your kiddo for sleep. Does that make sense? Yeah Yeah So I think you know the word sleep train cry it out Those are some trigger words that I think when parents moms in particular hear them they already feel oppressed or Scared and we try to show that there are so many ways you can shepherd your kids sleep where they don't have to cry it out They don't have to cry at all if you don't want them to
0: that's great Yeah, I think the same with the word discipline It triggers people and they think that means spanking, synonymous with harshness. And so and then that wasn't even the biblical root in discipline. And so to consider that training or growing your child to be a healthy sleeper is more of a kind of pointing them in the way they should go and setting them up for success is is a much better way Mm -hmm. to frame it.
2: Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: So when do you start that shepherding? You said from birth. So what does that look like?
2: Yeah, so of course we've had many, many babies come through our homes, whether that's through foster care or my three biological children, um, and we've seen so many different struggles that they each have. Right? They're they're all different, and each caregiver is different, and so those combinations are can be very different as well. But the main thing that we always love to tell our um, clients is that you can test the sleeping waters as soon as your child comes into your home. And so what that means is that you can see, do they like to be held all the time? Or are they okay laying down by themselves in their rock and play or in their um, bouncer or in their cot? So you can totally test it out and see, do they like to be swaddled? Do they like to take a pacifier? You can test out all of these things. And what we love to give people is a bunch of different options and tools so that they have different things to experiment with. But then to be consistent with one way. So if you find, oh, my child loves to be swaddled and they're comforted by that or they're comforted when I wear them in a wrap to have those tools, as we like to call them, using them consistently so that the baby will be used to one way of sleeping. And so find out what they like and then keep going with that instead of trying to change
1: it up all the time. Yeah, we usually say you're spending like the first, at least the first three weeks just learning how to be a mom, learning who your kid is, like Robin's saying, learning their preferences and then using some of the tools and on the go methods that we have to help them, like you said, grow into a great sleeper. And I think a lot of times we add a lot of associations to sleep that maybe we do it prematurely because we're feeling nervous as the mom. So sometimes we just notice that kids can sleep in a crib by themselves without a pacifier and sometimes they can't. So you just have to start from the beginning and see what you need to add in. And it's totally okay to add those things in, but sometimes we do it a little prematurely.
0: Well, and I know there were a lot of moms who reached out who have multiple kids and they're like, this was easy with my first two, I'm struggling with my third. Or I remember my first was the hardest. And even from the time we were in the hospital, they had to tilt his bed because there was so much reflux and pain associated with lying flat. And he was comforted by being close to me. So then my second comes along and I'm thinking, well, that's what worked (laughs) to comfort my first. But I just noticed he became more agitated when I would bring him into bed with me or when I would try to hold him to fall asleep. It actually revved him up more. And he's the same way now. Like, just leave me alone and I'll go sleep. And it's just it is funny. Like, you can't have this formula or this pattern that someone gives you to say, this is the way to get your kid to sleep. You really do have to study them and figure out what works.
2: Exactly, yeah. I think that is one thing that we love to dispel is that there's only one way to help your child to get to sleep. And like you said, each child is so different. And some kids want to, you know, leave me alone so I can sleep, or they need extra assistance. And we like to call that co regulating. So if One child may need more co-regulating with you where you are helping them and giving them more assistance in the beginning. And then you can slowly wean off of those assisting things over time. And so a lot of the time, like you were saying, people associate sleep training with crying it out. And we like to call that more of like the rip the bandaid aid you're doing something all at once, you're taking away all the props and all of the, the tools that you've been using to help your child and just leaving them in a, a room to cry. And that's definitely not what we recommend. As Jen was saying earlier, setting up your child for success is gonna look like giving them a lot of things beforehand and preparing them for what's to come and how you're gonna help them learn. You can't just start doing something out of the blue.
0: And we're gonna talk about we're gonna get to it when you guys hear regulating and some of you that have kids with sensory issues, you're like, Yeah, they can't regulate themselves. Yes. And that's that was my oldest and emotional if <laughs> it lasts like an hour and a half if I tried crying out or two hours or three yeah. hours and Exactly. Um we would have babysitters crawl out of the room if he fell asleep. The ridiculous oh. stuff right. we would do because we were so desperate. And if he woke up in the middle of the night, it felt like it was this
1: whole thing. So I think, is this a good place to get to that or should we save it? I think it's a great place. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think it, it totally fits in with your temperament, your child's temperament. I think this is a great place to talk about how you handle that. Okay. So what do you? how do you guys
0: coach parents through sensory issues or even like reflux or physical?
1: I think sensory issues, that is a topic that we often find ourselves informing people about. Mm. So they come to us, there's a couple of, you know, typical flags that you can see where you're like, I think this baby might enjoy a certain sensory experience. A lot of our clients don't even know what sensory means or sensory processing or anything like that. I've become more familiar because I have kiddos in foster care who often experience sensory differences. And I think that goes back to testing the sleep waters. Some kiddos love to be rocked. They love motion. These are the people who are driving the car and go really slow at a red light because they don't want to stop all the way. You know, you have to pay attention to what your kiddo likes when they're sleeping. And if they need motion, we wouldn't recommend trying to stop the motion. give them the motion, that might be what they need until their nervous system regulates and then they can, like Robin was saying, self-regulate without that motion. This could be the same for sucking on a pacifier. Um, The biggest sensory experience that we guide people on is darkness and noise. So when you're in your room, we want the room to be darker so that you can remove a lot of that stimulus and then white noise helps cancel out the surrounding sound. And we encourage people a lot of times to use that on the go. So even when you're out and about, you can still have your life out and about, but at least you're still taking away some of that outside stimuli.
0: And like you said, their nervous system is continually developing. So um, I know like with swaddling or some of these support systems you're talking about that you're going to wean them off because the child is more able to regulate as they're sensory system develops and some kids that takes years.
1: Yes, yes. Unfortunately, yes. there's the bad news. <laughs> <laughs> and, and some parents, they ask us, you know, am I coddling my baby by giving them these accommodations? But they're a baby, so they need coddling. And I think if we can give the kiddos those accommodations on the front end of their life when they're newborns, then when they get to be four five or even two, you might be able to start cutting out some of the white noise and darkness and shushing, etc., But I think if we can see them as accommodations instead of crutches, it can change that narrative uh, and set our kids up for success long-term.
0: So one question we got a lot was kind of like when you're trying to remove those supports, like swaddling, for instance, I remember that was a big deal. I mean, this was 13 years ago, y'all. I'm old (laughs) compared to everyone, Um, but when do we stop and kids were getting flat heads and we were maybe swaddling too long and not giving them the ability to comfort themselves as they developmentally, you know, started rolling over. And anyway, do you all have a set time or again, are you watching your kids or? We
2: always go by the American Academy of Pediatrics, which is once they start rolling you're not supposed to swaddle anymore, right? Because of safety, they could roll onto their face and not be able to push back up, right? Not be able to push up with their arms. So once your baby starts rolling either front to back, it's time to move to a transitional swaddle. And so this is what's so great about now in 2019 is that we have all these great products that um, are more of a transitional swaddle where they're still in like a sleep sack, but their arms are free to move around inside the sack so they can push up, and away from the mattress if they roll over so um, we can definitely send you some of those links and things but i think that is a great place to begin instead of just going cold turkey taking the swaddle off and then letting their arms and legs flail around Um, but yeah we have a lot of ways that we can help them still feel cozy inside their bed Um, and also obviously baby wearing is a great thing to do during that transitional time to still get their sleep in but then they still feel comforted, close to your body, and we we find that that's really difficult as a mom to make that commitment to, and that's why we're here, is so that through what we call real time texting, is we're able to cheer you on and coach you through that process in real time. Um, we set up a group message and we're able to go back and forth. Like even in the middle of the night, we had someone in Sweden last night texting us during the day, but it was her night. Just like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. It's so difficult. My child is just really pushing my boundaries. And of course it's the middle of the night and I'm sleep deprived, Mm. but then she was able to make it through the night. And it's just, it's a huge accomplishment and we never discount every single one of those moms and dads that are doing that. It's a really difficult thing to push through. But at the end of it, you just feel so confident in your abilities to parent and to stick with what you set up and what you know is going to be the best thing for your child and also for the child to see that they can do it and that they really do have the skills to accomplish those things. And so we just love at the end of it, seeing how much people grow together as a family
0: and then also just individually. I think y'all could have saved our marriage and some of those <laughs> Hears because oh, yeah. I think it was like a 2 a.m. wake up where he was like just let him cry I was like he's my baby I'm not <laughs> gonna let him cry anyway I I just yeah I, I couldn't stand it there was something like mama bear in me that couldn't handle the screaming and right especially thinking in my head and I don't know if moms do this that they're in pain you know, there's this thing and or I would make excuses. We we had this question a lot. Like they're sleeping great and then they regress. I would have that mm-hmm. and I'd say, Oh, they're teething and then I would make allotments for it and then I would go into bad sleep shepherding habits because I in my mind decided, Well, they're they're teething or they need more food or he's not gaining weight enough and I would sabotage my own efforts and not be consistent. I am not known for my consistency at all. But to sabotage myself, because I would make these excuses like, well, oh, I just read in the book that this is a growth spurt time. And so he probably needs another feeding or um, he's teething. And so he doesn't feel good. And so how do you coach people through those regression seasons?
1: I, I love the way you just said that. I think that's so accurate. Sabotaging your own plan. I think that's what happens in this age where we have so much information people don't come to us out of a lack of information you can find all this information for free in google but people come to us because they've tried everything quote unquote and it hasn't worked Mm -hmm. and what that means is i've read an article on monday i implemented it that night but tuesday i read something that said different (laughs) so i switched to that and wednesday i decided to replace the passy but thursday i decided to unswaddle yeah and I say that in jest because I too, in my own personal life have done this, but we have so much information coming at us that really the missing piece is that consistency and making a plan and actually sticking with it. That's the hard part because as a mom, you will continue to second guess. Oh, but they're teething and oh, but they're, but for honestly their first year, they're either going to be going through a leap teething Learning a new developmental skill. And that's why we really believe there is a way to sleep through all of those stages. It just requires a little bit more work on the caregiver's part.
0: Everyone wants to be a good mom. And we are trying so hard to be good moms. But one area we kind of forget about is that to be a good mom, we need to take care of ourselves. And maybe you know you should take care of your health, but you don't know where to start. There's no time. You don't have energy to put into that. Or it's a goal for 2019 to be healthier, quote unquote, healthier. But where do you start? Well, I'm thankful to connect you with one of this month's sponsors, The Care Of Subscription Vitamin Service. We know that if we feed our bodies the healthy things they need, that we function better. Well, one way to make sure your body's getting what it needs is to use this subscription service. Whatever your goals are, whether it's physical health or energy or sleep better, you go on and take their real quick, super fun online quiz to figure out what your specific needs are with diet, health goals, lifestyle choices, and they will connect you with a personal scientifically backed vitamin and supplement Recommendation, that subscription box comes straight to your door. You don't have to make another errand stop with all your kids in tow. Awful. It just comes right to you. Even better, it comes in these cute little packets. They've been sending it to me. And there is something about a little packet that says, Hi, Heather, (laughs) and a little quote that makes me feel taken care of. Like someone's put some time and energy to making sure I'm okay. And I'll tell you, my husband's even noticed. He's like, wow, you have a lot of energy today. What is going on? I'm like, I'm taking my vitamins. So if you want to check them out, go to TakeCareOf.com. And this month, they're going to give you 50% off of your order, which is amazing. Your own personalized vitamin order, 50% off if you go to TakeCareOf.com. And use the coupon code DMA. Fifty. So to get that 50% off, go to takecareof.com and use the code DMA50. A portion of every sale goes to Good Plus Foundation, which is providing expectant mothers in need with valuable prenatal vitamins. In taking care of yourself, you're helping another mom, not mom alone, and taking care of her body as she is trying to be a good mom. We are all trying so hard. Let's help one another. I wanna help you out. Go to takecareof.com, enter DMA50 to get matched with the perfect vitamins to help you and supplements to be the mom you want to be. All right, let's get back to my conversation with Jen and Robin. Here we go. What does that work look like? We've kind of alluded to, we're shepherding and we're watching them and we're looking for what works for that child. And what do they do? How do they work through those regressions health in a healthy way? Or when the child wakes up, what kind of strategies can you give us?
1: So I will be the first to say that as a type A person, I think this is a little (laughs) bit easier for someone like that. Um, But anyone can do it. It often looks like going in every time your kiddo wakes. And if it's still nap time, like if you've determined that you want them to try to sleep for an hour and a half, you're going to go in every time and respond consistently in the same way. So maybe that looks like going in and shushing and patting and saying, shh, until they close their eyes. Or maybe that looks like going in and rocking for five minutes and then setting them down. Or maybe it looks like replacing the pacifier. Or if it's a bigger kid, maybe it looks like walking in and saying, it's night-night time and then walking out. It's going to look like a lot of consistent response over and over and over because what you want either your baby or your big kid to understand is that you're going to respond the same time same way every time it's predictable and expected so eventually they're going to get bored with you if it's a baby or a big kid they're going to be like okay mom's not going to all of a sudden scream and then crawl into bed with me no she's (laughs) not going to all of a sudden pick me up and then hold me for the rest of the nap unless that's what you've decided you want to do so we try to help people think through their temperament as the parent their kid's temperament, and then decide on a tool, that's what we call it, a tool on how they're going to respond when their kiddo wakes up. And that's something that we would want them to do over and over. And sometimes it takes a hundred times of going in and saying, it's night-night time, Johnny, and then walking out over and over until they're actually asleep.
0: Yeah, that is exactly a type A would be like, yeah, this is easy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like feeling all the feelings I'm at Enneagram 4 I'm like oh but they're so sad And um, No that would have been helpful And I think by the time you have like 3 or 4 You can get maybe better Or maybe you're just like whatever and you give up Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I think you said something really important If you want them to nap for an hour and a half I think we need to talk about what is normal Because Some kids sleep great through the night And then don't nap well And some don't sleep great through the night And then nap amazing Right. What do we expect? What's typical? Normal is a bad word. Typical.
2: Right. Typical or normal maybe isn't a great term to use because um, what may be usual for most of the moms or parents that you talk to around you may not necessarily be healthy for that age. Hmm. So, of course, there's going to be a range for each age group. But I know you mentioned there were quite a few people talking about the four month regression or progression as we like to call it. Um, But all the way from zero to four months, your child could be sleeping anywhere between 14 to 18 hours a day. And that seems like a huge chunk of time. We usually recommend 12 hour nights all the way up through age five or six. And I know that sounds like a really long night, but that really is where they're getting their restorative sleep. And so that's going to also combine with naps during the day. So if you're getting um, a 12 hour night as a newborn and then taking uh, three, two hour naps or four naps, just depending on the baby. So at age four months, you could have a 12 hour night and three, one and a half hour naps every day. And that's considered to us a typical healthy amount of sleep for that age group.
0: And if they're not getting it, if they're getting the 12 hours, maybe, but only 45 minute naps, what does that mean?
2: Right. And that's where um, around that age at the four month progression is where they're really trying to learn how to cross over into the next sleep cycle after 45 minutes. So that's completely normal and typical um, for that to happen. And you're not alone if that's happening to you. We coach a lot of people through those transitions on helping like Jen was mentioning, using those tools to help them learn how to go back to sleep after 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, because they literally don't have that skill yet. Some babies take to it really easily, and others need more co-regulation like we were talking about earlier.
1: Sometimes parents, when their baby wakes up, they think, you're awake, yay, let's go play, even if it's been 20 minutes. And I think Robin and I often will tell them, you can put them back to sleep. You know, you can say, I'd like you to sleep for an hour and a half because, you know, you can pass through that sleep cycle and get more. But I think a lot of parents just don't realize, oh, I can, like, put you back to sleep. Again, it doesn't have to involve any crying, but in order to get a solid nap instead of these little cat naps.
0: Hmm. And if they're in that transitioning and you're using these co-regulation strategies, what have you found to be the most useful?
2: Well, again, like we were talking about, it totally depends on the child and the caregiver. So um, I think it's hard because, you know, like one baby may just need you to go in and go shh, shh, shh and then walk out and then they go right back to sleep. Another one may need you to pick them up and put them back down 20 times that nap before they can go back to sleep on their own. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And do you get through that progression like... In two weeks, and then they're they're figuring it out after using these strategies.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of our clients it takes two days, and then some others it takes two weeks of really being consistent. So again, it depends on the child.
0: Hmm. So, okay, what about when you have a little bit older infant and you're wanting to get rid of an evening feed with that twelve hours? Yeah, with that twelve hours, you're not saying are sleeping straight all the way through without eating.
1: No. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. That's another thing. Even the term sleeping through the night, that means something different for so many people. It could mean they sleep through the night when mama sleeps through the night, which would be like 10 to 6 or 12 to 12. We don't mean that they have to be by four months sleeping those 12 hours, but we want you to treat it like nighttime, even if you're feeding them.
0: Like you're not stimulating them and talking to them and getting them all revved up when you're feeding them. You're exactly. You're keeping the lights dim and uh, diaper changes like as, <laughs> as seamless <Right>. as, possible. <laughs> as, as possible. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: a lot of people ask us about the dream feed, uh, which is usually at night around 10 o'clock before mama goes to bed. And we have mixed thoughts on this. Again, if it works for your family, we're all about it. We just in all of our clients, not many people have found it to be successful. Their babies still will wake up around one and four and six. So um, that is usually the first feed that we would encourage you to cut out. And you can do it either by reducing ounces that you're feeding them in a bottle or reducing minutes that you're feeding them your breast milk. So that would be an example of how you can slowly wean something out without using tears.
0: And that's usually for us thinking like we're going to get them fully leaded (laughs) so they'll last as long as possible.
1: Exactly. is a
0: full tummy related to how long they can sleep? I've heard or seen research that that's maybe not necessarily true.
2: That's right. And so I think it's really difficult sometimes we think, oh, I'll just give them more uh, rice cereal and more solid food or more avocado before bed and then they'll sleep longer. And then they wake up an hour later and you're like, oh gosh, but now what do I do? Because they're still, they're burping up sweet potatoes in the middle of the night. Um, You know, some people may have found that that works for them and that's great. But um, we usually recommend to have more of a, Consistent eating schedule as well, and uh, just with babies, if if say they're not on solid foods yet, we just recommend that you have consistent feeding times throughout the day, so that you know they're getting their proper amount of calories, whatever your pediatrician has recommended for them. So that in the night you can know, okay, now I they only need eight ounces tonight, and so that's going to be two feeding times. So if they do wake up at a different time, I know in good conscience, they're not hungry because they had all their calories during the day and they're going to get these two feedings at night. So then I don't have to be worried. And then second guessing yourself in the middle of the night at 3am. Oh gosh, is it a feeding time? I don't know. Should I feed them? And then like you said, you're arguing
0: with your partner in the night <laughs> and all these other things yeah. happen, right? When we're sleep deprived. Yeah. And I remember worrying, I don't know if mom still do this, but I'd worry that I wasn't making enough milk during the day, especially with my third and fourth kid where I'm like working so hard and probably not drinking enough water and eating enough food. And so I'm like, Oh, I bet my milk supply is low. And so that's why they want to eat more during the night. Mm
2: -hmm. Right, which totally could be a thing. And we've had that happen. But you know, then it's just all about taking care of yourself. And we love to help mamas through that process as well. Like, what does it look like to eat so many healthy meals a day? And I know for me, this was just something that happened in London was they called it a health advisor. And one day she said, what are you eating?
1: Yeah.
2: And it's just, it literally was something I had never thought of before. Like, oh yeah, like this is going to affect my child, whether you're nursing or not, like it will affect them if you're not healthy. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's something that we love looking at too, is like Jen was talking about earlier, journaling and meditating and praying. Well, that also goes with the physical needs that you're meeting for yourself. Are you eating? Are you sleeping? Are you getting help to care for your child?
0: That's good. That's good. Um, Okay. I'm kind of still in that infant thing. Someone asked if they wake every two hours and the crying out doesn't work, you would recommend for them to figure out what works for their child to get them back to sleep and just kind of work on weaning off those co-regulation strategies
1: yes exactly and i would do that in conjunction with paying attention to their their daily routine so if you're not really getting them any consistency during the day but then you're expecting them to not wake up at night we would say that's an unfair expectation so we'd want you to look at their day and make sure it's age appropriate and then if it is then you can start working at the night and taking away some of those accommodations that you're using
0: I think that's good you had one question here of do I need to be home all the time in order to keep all of this and I'm An extrovert. And I would, (laughs) I knew that one of mine would sleep really great in the car seat. And Mm -hmm. so I would almost like plan his nap. So we would be out and about. Yeah. I don't know if that's wrong or good or bad, but he liked the tilted of the car seat and I was happier to be out than at home. So what what would you say to the mom who feels like she has to be home all the time?
1: I think that we would say no, like we at Sleepy Hughes prioritize sleep and we always say the mode can change. So if it works best for you and you have, you know, better mama health by going and doing most of their naps on the go, that's okay. Like our goal is for you to have Flexibility and not be constrained to the home. If you prefer to be home and want to use it as an excuse, by <laughs> all means, yeah. go ahead. But um, I think we usually encourage our families to prioritize that first nap of the day in the crib or whatever sleeping environment you have at home just to make sure that they do know how to sleep. In a home, because um, you can't drive all night. But other than that, I, I think mean, people fine. have tried. I think people yeah. have tried. <laughs> I was like you hire an Uber all night. Yeah, for yeah, that would, that's that's your next
0: business. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. This is everything. You can line them all up in a van. Yeah. So I think you're right. Like at least one. If there's two or three naps in the day, maybe one that's home. But don't yeah. feel like every nap has to be home. So that
1: no. Yeah, and Don't assign value to it. I mean, I think we, we often think as moms, if our kid isn't sleeping in a crib, we're failing. And I don't think that's true. I think the goal is to make sure that your kid's getting healthy sleep. And if you're doing that in a, you know, ergo carrier or in a stroller or a car seat, you're still accomplishing the goal. Getting back to
0: the sensory kids, though, and, and maybe, Jen, with some of the kids you've had from foster care, do you find that you have to kind of manage how much you're out and about and how noisy the environment is based on how sensitive they are to that stimuli and how it can be hard for them to kind of get ready for nighttime and get ready for sleep. I kind of wondered with some of these two to four year olds who are waking up a lot during the night and the anxiety of the six to eight year olds, if it's just that they're living in a world that's so fast paced Mm -hmm. and all the screens Mm -hmm. and all of the stimulation that we didn't have, and they're not really getting the physical outlets that we did when we were that age, Mm -hmm. if that impacts a lot of these, the sleep dysrhythmias, I guess you would call it. Yes.
1: I mean, Robin and I are both in this closet, nodding our heads like, yes, yes, (laughs) yes, yes. yes. (laughs) So yes. And it's not just kids with sensory. They are even more impacted. But I think all kids, we personally don't think you should have media two hours before bed. Just looking at that light and then expecting them to settle is a little impossible.
0: Um, But sometimes people have that as part of the routine. Yeah. Watch it like take the bath, get the pajamas, watch a 30 minute show, you know, maybe still read a book after that. But you're saying two hours before it's their brains are still kind of. I I know for us, we need to read a book. I mean, my husband Mm -hmm. and I can't watch a show and go right to sleep.
1: No, no. And shows aren't bad, but maybe incorporate them while you're making dinner. Yeah. Yeah. is right after pajamas and read a book or listen to a book on tape or play the story on the iPad, but turn the cover down and just listen to the sound instead of looking at the screen. Those are a couple of options that you could try to incorporate. Um, But I think the other main thing you said that's so important is as a society, we're going from thing to thing to thing to thing, and kids just get burnt out and they're tired and they need more wind down time. So even if that wind down time is, you know, cooking in the kitchen with mom or just sitting in the couch on the couch, just sitting there, you know, I think sometimes slowing down our schedule really impacts their sleep more than we give it credit. And wearing them out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Wearing them out physically. And I would add for the littler ones, I found baby wearing to be so incredibly helpful. I don't know how it is in Texas. That's where we're from. But when we moved out to California, so many people baby wear. So it was more normal. But I think it is just such a great tool in general because you can cut out a lot of that stimuli just by them like listening to your heartbeat, feeling your skin, being close and snug That has enabled me as a foster mom to have a lot of flexibility and still take care of kids with sensory needs. Mm. Um, But then the older kids, I think it's, you know, going on a car ride during their nap if they won't nap at home, planning that into your day between soccer games and baseball drop off and all of that. And I will say too, it's
2: super helpful after you have multiple children where you can't just be at home and have, maybe your child does prefer to be in the dark at home sleeping, but that's not a possibility because your older kids have activities going on that you want them to be in and or school pickup or school drop off is happening. So again, baby be really helpful or even a stroller with a really nice dark hood over it even if they're not asleep, it can give them that sensory break from all of the people walking by. If you think about your child's in a stroller and say you're at an amusement park or a fair or even school drop off, and you have all these people poking their heads into the stroller, or waving to your two year old. And um, it just can give them a little bit of a break to have the hood down, having a little snack and having their lovey or their blanket with them, even if they're not asleep it's not sleeping time in the morning, they can have that
0: break. Good advice, and so if, okay, we've worked on like not overstimulating them before bedtime, but these preschoolers are still waking up in the middle of the night, what's a strategy a parent could use to help co-regulate and help them get out of the bed less, I'm guessing, until they yes. don't anymore? So there's a couple of different options that
2: you could try even for kids, you know, as old as seven or eight, like you were saying, if your child is used to being in bed with you or if they're used to you being in bed with them next to their bed we can do a slow fade out basically. So if you're in their room sleeping in their bed with them until they fall asleep every night, you can start by, you know, laying next to them. Then you can start laying on the floor next to them and then slowly move your bed towards the door or a chair, whatever you choose. Um, But if they decide to come out of the bed, you will literally respond the same way every time. And you can just say it's night, night time. Mommy loves you or daddy loves you, whoever's night it is to do the process. (laughs) Um, Of course, there's a lot of pre-work that comes before this. It's not just, okay, tonight I'm moving the chair and I talk to my child. Because at this age, they understand, even at young babies, understand, um, when we speak to them, even if they can't speak back yet. So, um, this is all about helping them understand what's happening. So there's a ton of things you can do. I won't get into all of them, but of course, talking to them about what's going to happen in the process is really important.
1: Yeah. They should always know what's coming. That's our belief. So if you are going to change it, we want you to tell them, Hey, you know what? We met these people and or we listen to this podcast and we're going to change some of your sleep. Let's talk about what that's going to look like. So they aren't surprised in the nighttime when you're like, it's night, night time. Good night. (laughs) You know, they they have to know what's coming because we think they're real people. So if you've
0: tried the whole transitioning, there was one mom who, uh, and it's, it's a child with who's adopted and has sensory. And there are a lot of parents with children with autism and you've tried the slowly progressing from next to the bed and outside the door and they're still struggling to fall asleep and they're still waking up at the wee hours of the morning. What advice do you give those moms?
1: Uh, I think first of all, I would ask them a few more questions about their consistency. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's their fault. I would just want to find out about how consistent they've been. And if they've been completely consistent and responded the same way, I would encourage them to seek therapy or a therapist or some type of professional in that realm. There are so many unknowns and intricacies of our kiddos that are atypical, and they're special. And I think that we we need help from specialists sometimes when it's outside of our bounds of knowledge. One thing that I have found really helpful is a social story So specifically with kiddos with autism, this is really helpful. If you draw it out in a picture form of what's going to happen, and then in the middle of the night, if they wake up and come to you and start to get dysregulated, you can show them the social story that you already told them about and point out what's going to happen. But as the parent, if you can try to be less reactive and less emotional and more, this is what we're doing, and be confident in your response, I definitely think that helps.
0: That's good. And I think from everything you've all said, it is never too late to shepherd our children in healthy sleep or ourselves. Exactly.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Or even ourselves. I mean, it's never too late to figure out a new dynamic between you you and your child and how to make that more healthy. And so I think it's hard at the beginning of the year. Everyone's coming up with resolutions Mm -hmm. and words for the year and all these things. But this is a slow process. This is not an overnight fix. And that's um, why we want to be there for people because it takes time. All of our contracts are four weeks long, because we acknowledge that it's not just a overnight thing. We're going to send you something and send two text and then it's going to be fixed. This is a process and we want to be there with you along the whole journey.
0: Well, I think that's all amazing. And uh, Robin, with your three, and I know, Jen, you've had multiple in the home, one last question that I we got from a few different people is helping a newborn learn sleep when you have the older toddlers and other kids in the home. And I don't know if that means you're not letting them cry at all and you're having to use different strategies than you maybe did, but what advice do you have for that person who's working through trying to bring in a newborn and work through healthy sleep when you're already have the older kids sleeping well, but now they're getting woken up by this baby.
2: Yes. And that's super difficult, right? To have Mm -hmm. um, a baby, a new baby in the house, it disrupts everything. It disrupts your relationship with your older children too. So it's going to be, it's going to take a village, right? It's going to take other caregivers coming in to pay attention to your older kids and giving them time to um, have intentional relationship. And so I, or your, your other caregiver taking care of the baby. So you can have time with your older kiddos. And then as far as sleep goes, um, testing the water, seeing what your new baby can do. If your new baby just wants to be worn on you in a wrap or a carrier all the time, then for the first couple weeks, then do that, you know, do what needs to be done those first few weeks or even six weeks. Um, but then you can start to, as you implement your feeding routines during the day and everything like that, you can start to have a little bit more time in the crib or the cot
1: as well. And I think too, um, you know, I, I don't think we can discount the big change. I don't know how it was for you, Heather, but going from one to two was such a big change for me, Jen. And I had to process through the loss of just having one kid. And so that, again, these aren't sleep consulting and shepherding your kid's sleep is not a part of from who we are as human beings and as moms and so I think if you need to just wear the child like Robin's saying so that you can be with your older kid who you're missing and um that's okay or if you need to hire someone to or a friend come over and just watch your little baby so that you can play with the big kid that's okay too we you know we would want you to set up something for you that enables you to you know deal with how you're feeling and all of those emotions and take care of both your big kid and your little kid.
0: Such good advice. It is such a big transition. And um, we forget they're little people and they're feeling a little bit pushed aside sometimes and getting Mm -hmm. the other ones getting a lot of attention. And I think I've noticed with my boys, sometimes that cry for just lay down next to me, I have to evaluate how much time have I actually given you today? How much attention and so, uh, even moms, I have a lot of moms who work outside the home that listen to the show, and it's really, really, really challenging when uh, your kids are at school all day or daycare all day, um, whether whatever age they are, and you're trying to get meals on the table and spend time with each kid. and. So I think there exactly. is sometimes even if you stay home all day with your kids, I could not be one-on-one with with them the entire day and give them the attention that they're looking for. So there is a little bit of evaluating that aspect right. outside of sleep for the mom who does work outside the home. What if her daycare situation or her childcare situation uh, is making the sleep, you know, shepherding more difficult? Have you all had that where she's having to oh, work? yes. Do you consult with the child caregivers? Yes,
2: we, we have not directly consulted with the caregivers in like a daycare facility, but if someone has a nanny, but we do encourage people to come up with a plan to give to their daycare. Mm-hmm. And it usually goes really well. We've never had anyone directly refuse the, yeah. the plan or anything. And so I think it's just worth an ask and people are willing to work around it. That's good. Well,
0: I appreciate y'all. I'm sad our time is up because Me I think too. we could talk all day. Um, <laughs> but y'all, if you need more help, and this is just, you know, wetting your appetite to realize you do need to have Jen and Robin come alongside you. My friend Meredith has used them and found them super helpful. And I wish I had them back,
1: <laughs> back in the day. It's going to save
0: us a lot. Um, you can reach out to them at Sleepy Cues. I will put all their contact info in the show notes. But thank you, ladies, so much. You're thank welcome. You. Thank you for what you're
1: doing, too. I, we both so resonate with the whole concept of not momming alone. Mm-hmm. That's something that I hope our generation continues to grow and em- encompass. And so we are so grateful for your podcast and what you're doing, too. Well, Thank you. Appreciate that.
0: Well, y'all have a great rest of your week and a new great year. Thank you. Thank you. You, too. All right. I hope you are encouraged to see sleep habits in a new way that you are the one who gets to direct and shape how your family goes to sleep, stays asleep, and you figure out what works best for your personality, for your child. And if you need extra support, you check out Jen and Robin over at Sleepy Cues. Truly, truly, truly wish I'd had this when my kids were little, (laughs) the amount of stress and energy. I really am praying that God would just direct your steps for your family, that you would be empowered as a mom, that you have been given the tools and the ability to figure out, to seek God's wisdom for your family. I am reading, I know y'all know this, uh, 1st and 2nd Samuel I've been reading through and what stands out to me every time I read a book and kind of go deeper with it, certain phrases stand out to me. And what has stood out to me is the phrase, David inquired of the Lord. So many times when he's about to go into battle or do something, he inquires of the Lord, should I go up? Should I not go up? And as moms in a lot of different things, I wonder how often we stop for a second and ask God, is this for me or is this not for me? Even good things like David Realize, oh, I've been living in a house, but the Ark of the Covenant has been in a tent. And Nathan's like, yeah, go do that. Build something for God. And then the night after that, Nathan hears from God. "Uh, I didn't ask anyone to build me a house. I've never asked for that. In fact, I am going to build David's house. I am going to build an eternal home through David's family. David had no clue that that meant the Messiah. David had no clue that it would mean we'd all get to be in heaven forever because of the lineage of David and Jesus being born. So we don't know what God's up to through our moment to moment choices, but we can ask him and seek his guidance and he will direct our paths, even in little things like, is it time to pick up that baby or do I need to let him lay there for a little bit. You are the one who gets to talk to God and it gets to be your intimate conversation with him one-on-one. And I love that. I love that we don't have to follow a formula or depend on what our friends are doing. We can seek out wisdom, but ultimately God's the one that directs our steps. All right, y'all good stuff. Still coming your way. Karen Harmon on next week, sharing about those wilderness places of motherhood and when our plans don't turn out the way we think and we're angry at God and some postpartum depression stuff, um, which I know isn't fun to talk about, but I really feel like you'll be encouraged by her testimony. And a fun Enneagram chat is coming up. We have good stuff for January and I am still working on that toddler course using my speech language pathology Uh, sensory processing information. I was just talking to a new mom yesterday about that and what would be valuable and what would not be valuable. So stay tuned. I still haven't haven't put anything out there. You haven't missed anything with that, but I am thinking about it. I am inquiring of the Lord if that's what he has for me next. Appreciate you. Thanks for sharing with your friends. Thanks for letting me know. If you want to leave a review on iTunes, that just helps other people find the show, but no pressure. Um, I just love that when you all are, Are helped, you share with another mom and you make sure she is helped as well. All right. Thanks y'all for listening. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to DontMomAlone.com. That's also where you'll find the show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone Because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, he said when he left, he was gonna leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that is superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present and with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew.